I said to myself, let's go for it. Let's experiment with pleasure. Have a good time. But there was nothing to it. Nothing but smoke. What do I think of the fun-filled life? Insane, inane. My verdict on the pursuit of happiness, who needs it? With the help of a bottle of wine and all the wisdom I could muster, I tried my level best to penetrate the absurdity of life. I wanted to get a handle on anything useful we mortals might do during the years we spend on this earth. Oh, I did great things. I built houses, planted vineyards, designed gardens and parks, planted a variety of fruit trees in them, made pools of water to irrigate the groves of trees. I bought slaves, male and female, who had children, giving me more slaves. Then I acquired large fields and flocks, larger than any before me in Jerusalem. I piled up silver and gold, loot from kings and kingdoms. I gathered a chorus of singers. Some have called it Solomon's soul singers. Never mind. I gathered a chorus of singers to entertain me with song and most exquisite of all pleasures, voluptuous maidens for my bed. Oh, how I prospered. I left all my predecessors in Jerusalem far behind, left them behind in the dust. What's more, I kept a clear head through it all. Everything I wanted, I took. I never said no to myself. I gave in to every impulse, held back nothing. I sucked the morrow of pleasure out of every task, or some Bibles read, even in my hard work. My reward to myself for a hard day's work. Then I took a good look at everything I'd done, looked at all the sweat and hard work, but when I looked, I saw nothing but smoke, smoke and spitting into the wind. There was nothing to any of it, nothing. Wow. That wasn't Mel Gibson. That was Solomon, who put any name you want to put on that in terms of the richest man in the world, multiply that by about two or three, and you might come close to how wealthy and how big and who Solomon really was. We're talking about this thing. We started a, a series, or starting a series today, and the cards are back in the back, by the way, and... and uh, for the series cards that, that uh, talk about this intentional living, living with purpose. Doesn't mean that, you know, that doesn't mean there won't be things that happen that aren't good. Doesn't mean that we'll always have that purpose in mind. But living with purpose, intentional living. And our first, our first little set and talk in this whole thing this morning is what I call intentional about a God connection. Or the question that I have, is there a God-shaped hole in everyone's heart? I believe there is. And I want to just run through a few quotes, get you to think along these lines with me. I feel a void. Eddie Murphy, actor, basketball player. I find no fulfillment. You guys tried too, hadn't he? Bless his heart. And then a great thinker, and I think man of God, said this. There is a God-created vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the Creator, made known through Jesus Christ. Well, that was a great thought by Pascal. Just, just terrific. God created vacuum in the heart of every man, which cannot be satisfied by any created thing. We'll try. We'll try. Let me show you one last quote from a great writer. 
great, well, that'll be next. This is a great, uh, one of our church fathers, Augustine. Thou hast created us for thyself, and our hearts are restless, restless, until they find rest in you. Wow, that's Augustine. He's, the, Augustine's one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite church fathers. He was, um, just a real quick side note. I don't have time for this, but I'll do it anyway. Um, one of my, I'll tell you why Augustine is one of my favorite. He, he lived an incredibly, this isn't why he's my favorite, but what he said about this. He, he lived an incredibly lustful, uh, uh, promiscuous, immoral life, okay, before, um, before he came to know Christ. And, uh, and in fact, he, history tells us he lived, um, he lived with a woman uh, for several years. And just uh, there were, it was legendary of some of their sexual exploits and so forth. He came to know Christ. He, he decided to, to, he didn't want to get married. And so they broke up. And then he went on and, and to, to just be a great thinker and a great writer. And he was like 70 or 80 years old, uh, after, many years after all this had happened. And she came to visit him. On his, what ended up being his deathbed. And she came just not, not for any, I'm just, just to try to be respectful and so forth. She came to visit him. And he said, Get behind me, woman, the fire still burns. <laughs> I love that man. Anyway, just a sideline. Okay. Uh, he's a great man, Augustine. One last thing, C.S. Lewis. Alright, C.S. Lewis. Creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. Think about this. This is heavy. A baby feels hunger. Well, there's such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim. Well, there's such a thing as water. Men feel sexual desire. Well, there's such a thing as sex. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not mean that the universe is a fraud. Probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it, to suggest the real thing. I mean, that's, uh, that's some heavy stuff. So let's get this, let's get to this thing. What is this thing? What is this, this God-shaped hole that I like to call it? What is that? What's that all about? And, and is, is it real? And, and, and how does it work? And what's being communicated here? And, and all the other kinds of stuff that's going on here. Um, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to, well, just let me tell you what it is. And I want to show you some things. God-shaped hole is a hole that communicates back to the brain something's missing and needs to go in here. Something's missing and needs to go in here. And we go to great extents as human beings trying to figure out what is that that's missing. Well, let me try this. No, let me try this. Oh, that doesn't work. Let me try this. Oh, that doesn't work. Let me... Some of those things are, are, are terribly what we would call sinful or wrong. Some of those things aren't wrong at all. Sometimes they become wrong. But we start looking to have that, that stuff something in that God-shaped hole. Now... What I've done, what I'm going to show you in just a minute, um, I've come up with ten things, and we're going to just blow through them real quickly, most of them. And it may not, these ten things are ways that we try to get this hole filled. That may not have, some of these, I, I think one of these will, will hit you a little bit maybe, maybe a lot. If not, you make the application because, you, know, you know, we all have different stuff. We all have different things. We all try different things to, to try to satisfy that, that God-shaped hole in our lives. 
And so just kind of follow along with me here and let me just kind of go through these things. Ten things we, we fill our God-shaped hole with. First one is something that many of us can relate to, career or our accomplishments, things that we, we might try to do in life, our work. That passage that we looked at earlier from Solomon, and I alluded to it, 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 it said this, and it, some Bibles translate this, um, I suck the morrow of pleasure out of even hard work. And the, the translation we read said, out of every task. He worked hard. Maybe that, maybe that's what'll work. He said, at that point in time, he's tried pleasure, he's tried materialism, he's tried, uh, he's tried everything in the world, but, but maybe I'll just work really hard. You ever do that? Think, well, that, that's what's gonna make, that's what's gonna, you know, that's, that's gonna do it for me. Mm, mm. That'd be great. It worked. Second thing. Stuff in general, and I put money in there because it, you can kind of tie these all together. It might be money for some. It might be looking at that bank account and say, "Oh, look at look at all those look at all those zeros," which could be a good thing depending on where the zeros are. Certainly, but but for some of us, we look at all those zeros and it's not a good thing. But look at all those zeros after those uh, those uh, nice you know big numbers. For some, it might be in the form of taking the, that money and buying stuff. And you know, one of the things that we do, we buy stuff, we think, this is really great. And of course, you know what's coming, don't you? And then after a while, it wears off. You get into that new car, and doggone, those new car smells leave. You get in that bigger house, and all of a sudden, it's not what you thought it was going to be. It's stuff. And for you, you know, it could be those big things, it might be a whole lot of little things. Um, let me let me show you. I have this for you right here. I want you to just watch this. This is the Lord talking, Jesus, in Luke 18. Seeing his reaction, this is after he talks with a guy that we call a rich a rich young ruler. Jesus says, do you have any idea? Now he's talking to his disciples. Do you have any idea how difficult it is for people who have it all to enter God's kingdom? I'd say it's easier to thread a camel through a needle's eye than get a rich person into God's kingdom. Then who has any chance at all, the others ask. No chance at all, Jesus said, if you think you can pull it off by yourself. Every chance in the world, if you trust God to do it. Some people, when they have read this passage, and it says, you know, getting the, getting the, uh, how does it say, getting the uh, thread of a camel through a needle's eye, and they, they go into great extents to explain the fact that there's some kind of a little thing in Jerusalem that the camel had to get down on its knees to go through, and that was called the eye of a needle, and that's, popular myth. I've been to Jerusalem. I've never seen that, nor do I think it's there, because in fact, when, when, when Luke wrote about this, in the Gospel of Luke, which is where I took this passage, Luke was a doctor, and the, and the Greek word that he used was the eye of a surgeon's needle. And what he's saying is, it's, it's easier to get a camel through the eye of a surgeon's needle than for a rich man to get into heaven. And you look at that and you say, well, jeez, I am sunk. Because let me qualify something. Everyone in this auditorium is wealthy by the world standards. Bar none. Everybody. And if you don't believe me, just travel a little bit. Outside of the continental United States, or even in some places in the United States. We're all wealthy here. Some at greater levels than others. So what is that saying? Here's what that's saying. Jesus is making a metaphor here, and the point that he's saying is, it is very difficult unless God's involved. No chance at all, Jesus said, if you think you can pull it off by yourself. Every chance in the world if you trust God to do it. Because here's what happens. 
particularly in a society like ours, which we're so, and I'm not going to put it down because I love, I love the blessings that we have here, but we have, we got, we got a lot of blessings in our country. And we're all, let me, I'm, I'm going to speak for myself, but I'm going to include you in this, in this group, okay? And you just deal with it. We all have a degree of materialism. Okay, we all have that. Some of us have more than others, granted, but we all have a degree of that. I, one of the things, one of the lessons, one of the hard lessons, I may have told this story, but that's okay. One of the great things about after 50 is you can tell stories over and over again. You know, so Charlie and I are great about that. We tell each other stories. We told each other for years and we don't remember them and it's great. We're like, this is terrific. It is great. Um, but I was in Russia. The second, first time I was in Russia, I was there for two weeks. And one of the things, we, we, we were there, and we were there meeting with some of the leaders of Russia, so just a couple of years ago. And, uh, but also, we were there to, to meet with some of the young people, the young believers, who were seeking to set up ministries to, to other Russian young people. And they're just incredible young people. And I had, you know, have you, have you ever seen one of those really, maybe you have one of those really big rolling bags that you could, you could almost put a body in? I'm, I'm, I'm serious, I'm not being, you know, I mean, you know, they're just huge. So I'm there for two weeks, and I want to take, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a heavy packer. I like a lot of clothes, okay? And um, I'm rolling this thing out here, and we after, and it was fine. We were in Moscow, and we were meeting with people and stuff, and leaders and stuff like that. But then we were going to go get in this bus and go out to this, what used to be a communist youth camp, to meet with these kids and talk to them about Jesus, which is an irony of all ironies, but I thought that was really cool. Right there in the right there's a statue of Lenin, and we're talking about Christ, which was just really fun. But um, anyway, I had this huge suitcase, and these kids were so great. Oh, let me help you, let me help you, let me help you. And they came, and then when we got to where we were going, I just kind of started noticing some things. And this occurred to me, and I'm, this is not an exaggeration, trust me, because I found out since then it was very true. I was carrying more clothes with me than most of those kids ever had, period. Well, you know, I started giving stuff away real quick. I'm probably out of guilt more than anything else. I can't tell you my, my motives were totally pure. But it just really hit me. Boy, you are just one shallow, materialistic, depraved individual, Rich. I mean, it's just unbelievable. We all have some level of that. In this. And what Jesus is showing us is this. When we feel something lacking in that God-shaped vacuum, we'll say, I'll go try this. I've got enough money to do this. Maybe it takes, for some of us, it may take a lot. For them. It may just take a little bit. I'll go buy one of these things. And that's great for a while. And then we're like, oh, no. It's kind of like, it's kind of like, for those of you who know this, it's kind of like an Xbox game. You know? You play that Xbox game for a little while. You, the young people will understand this. And you get tired of it. You go buy another one. And then you go buy another one. Oh, well, as you say, Rich, that's your problem, not ours. Okay. But you catch the drift. Okay? The whole point of that whole marketing ploy is to get more and to get something new and to get something different. We live in a society we can do that. Some of us bigger than others, better than others. Some of us just a little more, just a little different. If we keep doing that long enough, you know, pretty soon you wake up and you're, you know, 80 years old and you keep trying to substitute this God-shaped hole with some other stuff. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. That's why it's harder for a rich man to go to go to heaven than a camel to go through the eye of a needle. So that's, just think about that. We, we, we try different things and as blessed as we are in this society, sometimes, sometimes, it's a curse. Sometimes. Now, third thing I want you to see. Some things we, I'm going to go through. Obviously, these are all different areas, different things. 
that we all can relate to in one form or another. Third thing, sexual pursuits, I call it. Um, immorality, might be pornography. Huge, huge industry now on the Internet, pornography, uh, which is all just basically false intimacy, thinking you're having something that you're really not. And that's a huge problem with a lot of people. And they think, that's what, that's what I need. And then you talk to people who've been there, and they're like, you know, and I talked to a friend one time and had the privilege of, of counseling with different individuals in some different situations like this, guys especially. And they just, you know, one guy, I remember his words. He said, you know, I found myself hopping from bed to bed and I realized I wasn't any more fulfilled than I was before. So that's, um, that's a tough issue. Fourth thing, hobbies. Hobbies. You know, uh, a little self-confession here for some of us. It might be golf. For you, it might be shopping. I don't know. Yeah, but something that I, I got to do more of this. Just it just it just fills that that void in my life. You know, I do that for therapy. Well, you know, that's not the kind of therapy. With nothing wrong with golf. Nothing wrong with shopping. Nothing wrong with a lot of these things. I, I want to keep going here. Let's just go through these real quickly. Um, another thing, children. You say, huh? Yeah, those little things we hear out here, okay? Um, little munchkins. Um, you know, I don't know if you're like this, and I, I, I certainly am not in a position to make this judgment. Some people idolize their children. Some children. I want to be careful how I say this, because I, don't want to, I really don't want to offend you, but I do want you to think about this. Some people's children have become their idols. Everything they do, everything about their lives revolves around their children. Now listen, I'm not suggesting that you abuse in any way, shape, or form your children. I'm not suggesting that they're not important. I'm not suggesting they should not be a priority. But when you live for them, they grow up. And I can speak with some authority to this. They grow up. And then those little rascals start leaving home. And they go find these other people to replace their dad. <laughs> Dirt ball, first base coaches that send people off and yeah, people like that. Those of you who don't know, the guy that was up here is my son-in-law. Um, um, and then you're, then you're back by yourselves again. 20, 30 years. All of a sudden, all, everything you poured all your life into, and God knows every stinking single cent you got, all you, all you've done, you know, they're gone. Then you look at each other and you say, hey, who are you? Ah, uh, that person you married 30 years ago. Remember me? No? Don't remember you. Let's start getting to know each other again. And sometimes that's great, but sometimes it's not so great. Because they poured so much into their kids. Good motivation. But they don't have anything left for each other. And they go their separate ways. Happens a lot. And you know that. It's tragic. It's terrible. Heartbreaking. Heart-wrenching. But we try to fill our hearts. That gap with children. Have a, I love your kids. Have a great priority for your children. But don't let them fill that God-shaped gap hole in your heart. Because you'll come to regret that. You will. Pray for them. Love them. But don't let them fill that God-shaped, God-shaped hole. Keep going. I'm going to go through this. Next one, entertainment. 
I keep some of with these fast. Now, that's pretty solid. Sometimes we just want to be entertained with everything, you know, and we're in a great place to do that. And I certainly could do that. Love all the shows and, and uh, all the theater and everything else. And we just let that fill that, 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 that hole. Enjoy it. Don't let it fill a hole, okay? Busyness is another one we use, particularly in our culture. We just get so busy. We just, and that keeps us busy so we don't have to stop it. As, as that first song that you guys sang talked about, it's just, just being still. And starting to stop and starting and to stop and think, and just pray sometimes. Uh, sometimes it's food or it's alcohol. It's pretty self-explanatory. We of course are very uh, hard on those people who drink too much, but sometimes we're not kind of forget about those people that gluttony is also uh, as much of a problem as as drinking too much. Um, sometimes it's health. Just I'm just going to pour my life into being healthy, and then you die. What good did that do? Okay, not that not that not that you shouldn't be healthy, but I mean it's like I was like I told a guy the other day. It's so funny. I get such a neat. I I, I jog, and uh, about four miles or so a day, or during the week at least. And it's so funny. You get guys look at you kind of funny, and the girl women all. I'm, I'm serious. And I but they all look at you. Maybe it's my gray hair. I'm like, good for you. Good for you. You know. And, 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 I don't get it, but that's, that's what they say. It's like, what is that? As one of my neighbors said something to me yesterday, oh, man, that's great. And I said, you know, I said, I'm fighting this battle called age, and I know I'm losing, but I'm going to keep fighting it. You know, we are losing that battle, and we need to understand that. And, and health is great, but don't fill that God-shaped hole in your life with it. Two more things. One more thing. This is going to surprise you. You ready? Hit it. Church. You say, huh? You're the pastor. Don't you want me here every Sunday? You bet I do. Don't you want me to bring people? You bet I do. Don't want you me to talk about it to people? Yeah, I do. I want you to talk about it to everybody you know. Everybody should be like my friend over here, John Tice. He's, I, call him a, uh, I call him a carnival barker for Renaissance. He goes around, come to Renaissance, come to Renaissance. I love that about him. You know, I'll buy him breakfast every time for that. Now listen, we should do that. All of us should do that. But, but what happens sometimes? There are people who put everything, all their eggs in that basket of church. And, and it's a good thing because it's about God. My goodness. And it's about the Bible. That's terrific. But they fill that God-shaped hole with church. And then something happens. Church falls apart. Pastors die. We want to go there. Um, other bad stuff happens. Then what happens? There's no more church. And it affects their walk with God. It was never intended to be in place of a relationship with the Lord God. Never. And I'm afraid sometimes, I, I, I won't judge everybody. I know sometimes I have, I have probably said, not probably, I have said some things. Confession's so hard. I have said some things that have made people think that. And I can't tell you how much I regret that. can't tell you how much that. Because it's not. Church is great. And it's, it's an extension of what God wants. And it's God's deal. It's all God's deal. But it's not in place of a relationship with God Almighty through His Son, Jesus. Don't ever think that. Don't ever think that. And that's what happens. It's a God-shaped hole. Not a church-shaped hole. Don't miss that. 
It's one of the reasons that some of us, including me, have had problems at different times in our lives with this thing called church and organized church and the institutional church. Nobody ever intended that to happen, but it happens. Let me wrap some things up real quick. I want to take you back to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Now, everything has been heard. So I give my final advice. Do I have, go back, do I have anything else on that? I want to see if I got, did I miss something here? I did, okay, Never, just keep it right there. I, I missed it, I didn't give you a verse. I want to read it to you. Okay, and I will come back to Ecclesiastes in a second. I want to read this verse. It's just from Ecclesiastes 2. I, I, and I made a mistake, didn't send this to get this put on PowerPoint. But let me just read this to you and just listen carefully because it's, it's right at the end of that passage that I read earlier from Ecclesiastes. That's right toward the end of the chapter. And, and listen to what he says. So now I hate life. I hate life because everything done here under the sun is so irrational. Everything is meaningless, like chasing the wind. I'm disgusted that I must leave the fruits of my hard work to others. And who can tell whether my successors will be wise or foolish? And yet they will control everything I have gained by my skill and by my hard work. How meaningless. I hate life. You ever know anybody that felt that way? Maybe all of us at different times for a few moments, maybe a few weeks. Maybe longer. Now let me show you that passage we started to read a moment ago. Because he, this is the end of the chapter. The end of the whole book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon's musings and his writings. Now everything's been said. Now everything's been heard. Excuse me. Now everything's been heard. So I give my final advice. Honor God. Obey His commands. Because this is all people must do. God will judge everything. Even what is done in secret. The good and the evil. There it is, honor God. So, does that mean when I honor God, I'm always going to be fulfilled, I'm always going to be happy? Because that's what Solomon says right here. Everything's going to be great. Once I've filled the hole with God and that God-shaped hole, is it a done deal? Is it a done deal? I got it now. That God-shaped hole is filled by God. I'm going to honor God. I'm trusting Christ. And boom, here we go. Um, Let me read something to you. Having a relationship with God puts us in the place, puts us in the place to experience times of fulfillment. But by no means does it mean everything will always be great. Life will be totally fulfilling, and there will never be any more struggles, defeats, or failures. Read that again. Having a relationship with God puts us in the place to experience times of fulfillment, but by no means does it mean everything will always be great, life will be totally fulfilling, and there will never be any more struggles, any more defeats, or any more failures. doesn't mean that at all. Um, the world is still broken. And people in the world are still broken, including you and me. It's called fallenness. It's called sin. And that, that thing, you know, where, where we, we learned as children and they all lived happily ever after? We ought to find that guy. And we ought to tie him up and put bamboo underneath his fingernails. And just, I read that in history books. But, and just, just torture the guy. You know, happily ever after. 
What is that? I'll tell you what it is. It's a fairy tale. Can you understand? Fairy tale. Okay. We bought into that though, didn't we? I shouldn't be experiencing this. Life is too good, man. This is too wonderful. Hey, it's a fallen world. God gives us the cure. Does that mean we will always experience all the time in this life? Absolutely not. And if you're expecting that, you're in deep, deep trouble. Maybe I'll break it. You're in deep, deep trouble. Because that's not the way it is. Let me, uh, and you know what? What happens is this. When we, especially, not every time, but especially when we take the focus off of Christ. We take the focus off of who did fill that God-shaped hole. Let me show you something. Do I have, I'm not sure if I have this, and I'm not sure. Do I have all ten of these things on one slide? Okay, let's see that. Okay, here they are. Go through each one of those. Career accomplishments, stuff, money, whatever, sexual pursuits, hobbies, children, entertainment, business, food, alcohol, health, church. Let me tell you something. Every one of those things, every one of those things is good. Every one of those things can be a part of your life in a godly, healthy way. Every one of those things. None of those things are inherently evil in and of themselves. None of them. And you know that's true. You say, well, how about sex? Well, I mean, come on. God gave it to us, and he gave it to us with, with, with the boundaries in which it is to be used. And inside of those boundaries, it's to be terrific. So the whole thing, if you don't believe that, you, there's some, still some CDs back there on the, on the little thing we did on, on sex and, and more sex, okay? We have, uh, you know, that's kind of insider information there. Earlier this series, and you'll see it on the thing, I did a thing on the 10 things that make the church cringe. I need just to give you a quick explanation. And the first title of the sermon was Getting Good Sex from the Bible. The second thing was Getting More Good Sex from the Bible. Now, we had, we had a couple of misunderstandings around the office because Tammy, who's our business manager, who keeps track of the CDs, kept going around because people say, I need this, this CD or that CD. And one day I heard Tammy walking down the hall saying, hey, I need good sex and I need more good sex. Okay? And I'm like, what did I miss? And, of course, she was speaking of the CDs. So if somebody taped that in our office, they could use it against us and we'd be in big trouble. But anyway... That, that's all in there inside the biblical grounds, and, we, and those, some of those CDs are still about there. But my point is this. All those things, all those things are good and, and great. But if you, if you use any one or all of those things or any combination of those things to try to fill that God-shaped hole, you're gonna be, you're gonna be sunk. So let me, let me wrap it up with three, what I call my, my takeout food, alright? Let me wrap it up with three thoughts for, for your takeout food. Takeout food for thought. First thing is this. Enjoy these blessings. Enjoy them. But don't need them. Please, please, please hear that. Enjoy all those things, but don't need them. You only need one thing. And that is to have the God-shaped hole in your life filled in a relationship with God. That's all you need. Second thing, second thought, take out of here with you. Fulfillment is rarely instantaneous, usually a process, and it's never a formula. How many times have you heard people like me talk about, here's the formula for fulfillment. 
and you do that. You know, maybe it's good stuff. Maybe it's read your Bible and pray every day and, and go to church. And you do that, and I've talked to people who've done that. I've done that, and you come away and say, you know what? I'm doing that, and I'm still empty, baby. Where's the, what's the deal? That's because those things alone won't do it. It's a relationship with God through Jesus. Last thought. I'm going to close with this thought. The only hope for fulfillment and the journey that leads to it is when our God-shaped whole is filled by God. That's the only hope. That's the only times it will happen. And it won't happen all the time in this life, every moment of the day, because it's still a, it's still a broken world with broken people. But thank God he's given us some hope. The hope is founded in a relationship with him through Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord God, we are thankful. Gosh, Lord, we're so thankful for your love and for your grace and for these truths. Lord God, I I just pray that we would each one take each one to our heart and just just kind of think through them and allow you to to speak to our hearts, speak to our, our consciences, help us to think through this in the right way. And Lord, a lot of things are going on here this morning in a lot of different people's lives. A lot of things are happening internally. And I just would ask you, Lord, that each person would would cooperate with that inner voice that's speaking to them with whatever it happens to be. For some of us, Lord, it's we, we, we know this. We know that there's a God-shaped hole in our life and it's been filled by you, but we keep, we keep going back. We keep going back to some of those patterns, some of those things that we, that we think, this, this will help more, this will help. Help us, Lord, to stop and to realize we need to be still before you and say, it's only going to come. It's only going to come fulfillment as we trust you. It's not going to be all the time. It's not going to be 724. But any, any glimmers of fulfillment, any glimmers, will only come in a relationship with you. Lord, there'll be some here who've never done that. And wherever they are and whatever they're doing, I just pray, Lord, that the Spirit of God would just work in their heart and that that inner spirit, that inner conscience, the inner voice would speak to them and say, it's time. It's time to recognize there is a God-shaped hole in your heart and it can only be filled by a relationship with God. It's the only, that's the only potential, the only possibility of having that happen. And it can begin by just saying, Lord, right here, right now, I believe that. I believe I'm, I'm, I'm a fallen person and that I need you in my life. And while that's not going to be the cure-all and the happily ever after, it's going to give me a degree of fulfillment in knowing that I know my Creator and the relationship that will take place as a result of that. We thank you for that, Lord, and pray for each person accordingly. And we thank you for this time as we commit it to you. In Jesus' name, amen.